Why don't men chat about their sex life? How does your childhood trauma and drama turn up in your dating life? Why are people still catfishing each other in this day and age? Why are, like, catfish vibes, seriously? This is basically life, looking at how folks are sexing, loving, and living. And I'm your host, Tiff Mugo. My name is Onyango Utieno, or Rix, Rix Poet. I am a creative entrepreneur, passionate about storytelling, healing, and masculinity. That's Rix, pronouns he, him. He is a poet, Afro-masculinity activist, a Moth Stories fellow, trauma coach, and an entity who tells stories for healing and connection. He is also the host of Afro-Masculinity Podcast, a podcast exploring African masculinities. Also, he's a whole vibe. Okay. Yeah. I have you on the podcast. Yeah. Do you know you're my first, like, do you identify as straight? Yes. You're my first straight man on this podcast. Really? Welcome. Are you serious? You are my first straight man on this podcast. Yes, 100%. Oh, wow. Like, this is, I, this is like, it's a, it's a, and this is season three. Wow. Okay. That's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, you know what? You're holding up a nation, (laughs) a people. (laughs) I got the strength. You got this. Okay. So, you know, as I told you, my first segment is called Inner the Streets. Mm -hmm. And so you tell me. Mm What it is, the last three things you Googled. What are the last three things so, you Googled? According to Google, uh-huh. my Google, the last thing I Googled, uh, three last things that I Googled. One was World Cup 2022 fixtures. <laughs> 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 Two is catfish. Catfish? Yes. Well, yesterday. The yes. Or the, the, no, catfish, like the, the somebody shop. catfishing. How about? <laughs> Yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, an Instagram follower DM'd me, mm-hmm. and they were like, um, "Are you on Tinder, or is this somebody impersonating you?" Okay. Yeah, and I told them I've not been on Tinder since 2019. So somebody they, is impersonating yeah, you. Yeah, so Tinder. they told me that uh, they matched with somebody who has my pictures on Tinder, but a different name. What? Yes, and so when they began talking to him, she realized that that person doesn't talk the way I do on my socials. Uh-huh. So then she DM'd me on Instagram, like, is this you? And then she showed me the pictures, and I was like, yeah, um, this is a catfish. What do you mean? Because you are a cutie patootie. <laughs> well, and we do know from catfish that you do need cutie patootie for Yeah. Right, your mom? So that's that's, so mom, that's that's somebody was catfish. Yeah. So I had to do like a tweet on today on even IG. If you go look, I just warned people that yo, I'm like not I'm not on, I'm not that, in these that ain't the streets. Me. That Hold ain't me. Hold my tongue. Hold my tongue. Okay, I did not expect that. Yes. Your, okay. What is yes. your third Google? <laughs> um, third is uh, I was searching the meaning of a song I came across the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is called Dibango Dibanga. Okay. It's a really nice song. Uh, I think it's been done by some Congolese person, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for the meaning of the lyrics in English. Okay. Did we find the meaning? I didn't. Ish. Okay. Yeah, but... All right. Send me the lyrics because my mom was in Congo for a long time. Oh. So she might know. Yeah. So send Yo, me the lyrics and she might. And I know a lot of Congolese people. So yeah. if the... If they do know what's up, yeah. then I'll send you back those lyrics. Yeah, man. The song is so danceable. Like, my last Instagram post was me dancing to that song. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, is it the one where you're, like, in the in the the formal pants and the suit looking good? Yes, yes, oh, You yes. see, I love that for you. <laughs> I was watching at night and my mom was sleeping in the yeah. next room. So I was just like, damn it. Okay, okay. I'll put, I'll put volume in the morning. I'll put volume. Yeah, it's a really dope song. Okay, so what my... What are yours? My Googles were... Because I was writing about like the end notes for one of my podcasts mm. was power relations mm. in relate wait power dynamics in relationships right mm. because you know that thing where you're like dating an older person mm. or you're dating a white person mm. or you like you know what are the power dynamics that we don't like look at mm. and then i was googling my dad's birthday 
Yeah. Don't 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 mind. I was trying to <laughs> <laughs> like what looking for star sign or what? No. Okay, look. Okay. So I'm not gonna say who my dad is because it's I'll tell you the story afterwards. It's kind of shady. But his birthday is Googleable, right? Well, I thought it was Googleable. Wow. But it's not. You can Google the birthday of... Who is your well, dad? I'll, I'll tell you off cam. Off, off, what? But like, so I was trying to Google his birthday because I was trying to... I'm applying for a visa and they asked me my dad's birthday. Oh, wow. And sometimes he takes long to reply. Yes. So I was Googling his wow. birthday. Wow. <laughs> so weird. No, it's, 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 it's shady, bruh. It's shady. It's, nah. it's, it's, it's peak Kenyan shadiness. Whoa, there's a story there. I'll, I'll wait there, for it. There is a story there. Yeah. And the last one is Stan Bick at the hub. I needed to know what time it opened. The bank, okay. Yeah, because I'll be, okay, okay. So yeah. I was trying to be like a logistical, yeah, adult human being. <laughs> so those are my three Googles. All right. But yeah, thanks no. Thanks for sharing. No, thanks. Also, you can't like somebody trying to catfish. Imagine. Like, like anyway. <laughs> so now we're actually going to get into the actual part of the podcast, Let's right? And the it. way I always start the podcast, and you as a mental health practitioner probably know about this, where you just have to ask people and check in. Mm. Are you good? How are you? Like, where are you at? Mm. Emotionally, physically, mm. mentally. Like, mm. where are you at, my homie? Happy. I'm very happy. Are I you? am extremely happy. Oh, wow. Yes. This year has been fantastic. I and, love that uh, for you. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, when the boys were here over the weekend, we were talking. Mm-hmm. And just appreciating how far we've come this year. Because last year, a time like this, I was coming off a very, very draining heartbreak. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Br- <laughs> you know? Heartbreak will dribble yeah. you. And um, I mean, they remember what it was like. So I remember um, going to therapy early, early this year. And um, one of the things that were, was life-changing for me, my therapist was telling me that, um, I mean, for those who don't know, like I, I came from a very like dysfunctional home mm-hmm. and my parents fought a lot. And I mean, that's, that dysfunctionality is still here today. It sits in your bones, hey? Yeah. I mean, even with them. Oh, yes. even with them physically. Yeah, they're as, still as here. The they're still, the chaos is still there and all that. So uh, me and my dad, we, we are not in good terms. I, I don't talk to, to the nigger. I, I, um, no. It's a, it's a hard no for me. Yes. It's a hard pass. Yes, but that's, it's a boundary, huge boundary, right? Mm-hmm. So the, my therapist told me, you've, you've, um, you've, been, you've managed to let go of your father. Mm. And the next thing you, you need to do is to let go of your mom too. Ooh, I, those are big <laughs> things that are being asked. You know? I'm like thinking about that and I'm like, what? Exactly. Oh my God. Hit me okay. like a rock. Like, Bruh. what? Like, that was the missing piece for me mm-hmm. all these years. Because what would happen is subconsciously, I would date people who were in emotional crisis. Um, and apparently, the story behind it that I didn't know of was I was still trying to save my mom Yo. from the chaos at home. So you're, you're literally, because you can't save your mom yes, from the chaos at home, yes. you're like, I'm going to find some honey yes. and I'm going to save the absolute living daylights out of her. Yeah, you know. Um, and that also meant I myself was in emotional crisis. Yeah. 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 They came together. Bruh. And I, man, like I really do remember like a huge load of something getting out of my body. It just like... It's like this weight just yeah, lifted it just with the left realization. Me. It left me. And I was like, oh my, I've been carrying my mom all these years, understandably so well. Yeah, now, because you're going to show up. Yeah, to accept that I don't have control over her decisions. I don't have control over how she chooses to live her life, despite the fact that I can rationalize what's going on inside her mind because she's deeply traumatized from that marriage. Mm-hmm. But it's not my work. I need to let go. I need to let go. You can't save. I can't. Yeah. And that was it. That was it. So I categorically told myself, I want to be happy. And one of the things that I took up was anytime anybody asked me on phone, friend, stranger, mm-hmm. whoever called me, whoever asked me how I'm doing, mm-hmm. I said, I'm happy. And that's exactly what kept coming. 
happiness. Joy. It just kept coming. Because you, you know? literally spoke it into your life. Yeah, literally. I just kept coming. I've not felt stressed this year. Yeah. Like, shit you not. It's December now. It like, is December. Of course, there's been little hard times here and there, but not stress. But not stress. Mm-mm. You've refused it. The one for it now, it's week one, week two, nothing. Ay, 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 ay. It's not happening. You know what? I'm channeling that 2023. <laughs> I'm channeling that because yes. you know, this year, me, all I did was too stressed. To the, I like, but to go back to, uh, just to go back to that whole thing of, now we're going to actually get into your dating life because mm. it just makes sense. And yeah. like, I feel very, very seen by what you said because like that whole thing of, the traumas you take from your childhood are how what you take into your dating life, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people don't conceptualize that. So one of the things, so as you know, heartbreak mm-hmm. is for everyone. <laughs> yes. So me, I, I roam these non-monogamous streets. So um, one of the people I had a thing with like two years ago um, dribbled me. Like trauma, like depression for eight months after... And please know this thing only lasted like a month and a half. Whoa. Make this math make sense. How am I depressed <laughs> for eight months for so something? Have like a month. Oh my gosh. Make this make sense. Oh my gosh. But sent me straight back to therapy. Mm. Apparently, I realized later I wasn't the only one. Mm. This person had a thing with two other people who also went back to therapy. So clearly it's not just an us problem. Mm. But one of the things I realized in therapy that I was dating in queer women of color my white heterosexual stepdad. So all of the trauma Mm. from my mother's marriage, all of that trauma from like the 12 years or something they were married, Mm. I was just like, look, me, I don't date like a lot of men. Mm. So like, you know how my bisexuality is set up. Mm. And when I do date men, they treat me like gold. No, no, no. It was the women Mm. who were dribbling. Mm. Like it was a mess who were like, and it was in therapy that I realized that and I started trying to make, like, better decisions. Mm-hmm. But, like, so what has dating, like, been for you? Like, mm-hmm. and you had this, like, big realization last year, you say. Yeah. So, like, before that, your your whole age, what has dating been like for you? Well, chaotic. Mm-hmm. Chaotic. I've dated a lot. A lot. Like, ever since I was, what, 16? Oh my gosh, it's been the last 17 years of my life. <laughs> I've been super active. But then looking back, I also realized how at some point of my life, I used to think I can't be okay or be happy if I'm not dating. Oh. I used to think like that. And okay. those are trauma responses mm-hmm. that I later come to learn of. Um, and that's codependency as well, mm-hmm. right? Um it was very difficult for me to think that just being on my own is something that I can actually do, right? Yeah, so I, I got into relationships and they were very tumultuous, uh, very chaotic. Um, I did enjoy a couple of them and some of them I sabotaged as well because... That's a real thing. Yeah, I actually didn't know not to save someone. Mm-hmm. There had to be a fire for me to quell. And and if there was no fire, then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get boring. some matches. Then, yeah, you, you get that. So I did sabotage some, and I've also hurt people here mm-hmm. before, you know. And those are things that I've had to confront within myself. That mm-hmm. there are people who walk out here and don't have very good thoughts of me because of the person I was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and not that I can't say, I mean, a lot of it is more emotional because I've never really been physical, physically violent with anybody like that. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, there are things when I look back, I'm like, yeah, here and here and here, I could have done better. Yeah, like this was not a good look. Yeah, this was no. not a safe space. Yeah, you mm. know, and um, sometimes I've been able to go back and, you know, apologize and all that. And some people didn't open that space at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had to accept yeah. right, that that's, they have their own uh, rights to, to do that, right? Um, but at the end of last year, um, when I was coming off that relationship that really shattered me, I am grateful that the shattering happened mm-hmm. because it is by that relationship ending and me having to leave it that I came to learn of this other burden that I'd been carrying for so long mm-hmm. 
and um, offering me a chance to stop some cycle that had been hurting me without me knowing. Um, and so for majority of this year, really, I was just dating for fun. Just date, like, yeah. like, so like what, just going out for drinks? Yeah, just... and, and sex for those who wanted sex with Ooh, me. Oh, nice. Yeah, and and just, I actually, Kags, I just told myself I'm going to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And I won't put a cap to when I want to get into a serious relationship mm-hmm. and how that's going to happen. I, I didn't think of those things. Mm-hmm. So I was on Bumble. Okay. You're on Bumble? I was. You, on oh, Bumble. you was on Bumble. Yes. <laughs> and um I remember my bio was the first thing my bio was reading mm-hmm. was I am not looking for a relationship. Okay, okay. No, the, out the gate. You, yes. You, you real about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other other cool things about myself. All right. <laughs> There's other cool things. <laughs> yeah. Other than like being for the streets. Yes. Love it. Okay. <laughs> So I mean I I did meet a couple of people mm-hmm. and um I mean my for most parts my bumble experience was really good. Mm-hmm. And then in between that some months ago I met somebody who was also not looking. Mm-hmm. And that like they knew they got on bumble not looking for okay. something serious. Okay. Then we start talking and it was really fun. And, you know, you, you start talking to somebody in, and then in the middle of conversation, you're like, wait a minute. Like, this is vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so one thing leads to another. And we are like, wow, there is something here mm-hmm. that none of us was looking for. But we sort of feel like, yeah, there could be something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we meet up. Our first date was an ice cream date. Really, really cool. That is so freaking wholesome. You know? Like, oh my God, that's so wholesome. Nothing complicated, nothing too fancy. Just an ice cream date. And we sat there and we talked for hours. Oh, wow. And we'd been talking and talking and talking. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember uh, we made it official in this house, actually, on the 21st of October. 21st of October. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, you guys will have been dating for quite a while. And I love that for you. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to like send you a gift or something. And be like, <laughs> it's dropping. How yeah. are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. so how did you make it official? Because, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while since I did a thing like that. Yes. And times have changed. Yes. How did y'all make it official? Did you have like a conversation or? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm so grateful. I think one of the things that um, have transformed in me. Mm-hmm. I looked at myself in the beginning of this year and I told myself, anybody I'm meeting, I want them to meet the authentic me. Mm-hmm. Because I have been socialized to perform masculinity a lot. Mm-hmm. Especially hetero masculinity. Mm-hmm. Where there is an idea of who you ought to be as a boyfriend and your mannerisms as a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, as a potential husband, as a likable man, mm. as a nice man, there are these things you that some attributes you must have, right? Yeah. And a I, script you gotta yes, follow. Yes, and I I just said fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to come as me, and you will see Ricks, the five year old, the ten year old, twenty year old, who is excitable, who is bubbly, <laughs> who gets stressed, who is. Wild and rebellious mm-hmm. and sensual as fuck, you're gonna meet him. You're gonna meet so, all of the yeah, aspects and of me. I want to open that channel so that people actually meet me with their authenticity as well. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want nothing less. Mm-hmm. And also because that's the originality of the humans, the human being as 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 we ought to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for her as well, that was not a challenge. Okay. To meet her in, to meet me in her authenticity. Okay. Because she was mature enough, gratefully, to recognize that we are being real with each other. And as somebody who has been intentional with getting to know herself, getting to heal from her own traumas as oh, well. Oh, thank God. You know? Because, like, the, the worst things is when one person has, is healing or has yeah. healed 
or you never truly heal, but well, like, yes. you know, it's always a process. Yes. And then another person's like, I feel like I'm fine. Yes. And then it's a hot mess. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something I never wanted to repeat. Mm-hmm. Right. So just seeing somebody who's doing the work, I was like, I like that because it shows they are conscious of the fact that they are growing and they need growth as well. So mm-hmm. this is somebody I can trust even with my emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. And then... The sex was also amazing. You know, that's always a good thing. You know what? <laughs> you I know? The sex is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do talk about the difficult things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, without the anxiety of talking about difficult things. Okay. Yeah. Like finances, like um, a future, like the, the today of where you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um the reality, for example, being a very like public person myself, what does that look like mm-hmm. if somebody is dating me? Yeah. What are those challenges uh, a partner of mine could be going through? Like that story about catfishing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy. Somebody could just impersonate me and the world could actually start believing that's actually me. And that person could be a fraud somewhere. True. You know? And then they could do Tinder swindler Shit, things. Ma- Yo, you know. Chum. So how does that look like, mm-hmm. right? Um, I tell a lot of personal stories online. Um, how can I protect my partner from mm. even like the kind of online trolling that I go through? Mm. Those kind of things. So it's been a very um in fact, even today, she's the one who opened this thing up, like this um Ojo Ojo Lord. Lord. Yeah, we were doing breakfast oh. and she she was like, Let's listen to this. Also, can I just say on the podcast, because, you know, you can't see, it is actually <laughs> Audrey Lord reads uses of the erotic. The erotic is full power on YouTube, guys. Yeah. Like, I walked in and I was like, what is this? Also, Rix's <laughs> house has such good vibes. Oh, my gosh. Such good vibes. Yeah. And it's very well decorated. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't trust the straight men with decorated <laughs> things. Like, but it's very well decorated. Thank but you. you're saying that it's... Yeah. Like being able to be, to show up and to yeah. have these conversations yeah. without the anxiety already. Because yeah. th- that's yeah. usually an intimacy that takes time it to It takes build, time. Right? So I found that um, I've, I, I wanted life to be easy. Mm. And uh, I remember I, I've always been going back to my friendships with male friends mm-hmm. to find out how love should feel. Okay. Oh, you you segue so nicely into my next questions, but yes, yes please keep talking right? about that. I remember sitting my best friend down, Manu, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Manu and I, we've just been through a lot. So I have like two major uh, circles of male friends. Mm-hmm. That one side I've like grown up with them like for the last twelve years, mm-hmm. and then this other side they're like more the creative side of me, and we've also known each other for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So Manu is from that first circle, um, and we are a bit closer even emotionally because mm-hmm. we have very similar childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember telling Manu one day, I will not want to settle in a relationship that does not feel like our friendship, mm. because our friendship is very open. It's very understanding. Mm -hmm. It gives space for our humanity because love does understand your imperfections. Mm. It does understand your vulnerabilities. It does understand that you're also curious as a person. You want to know things. You want to try things. Mm -hmm. And you're going to fumble in some places, right? And Mm -hmm. there is grace. And that your well-being is actually almost always centered, right? Mm -hmm. That it trusts you. I never wanted anything outside that for a relationship. Okay. For the longest time, I'd been showing up in relationships because I had to please my partner. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, often, more, more often than not, I'd abandon myself. Okay. You get that? Yeah. So I said, I want this, the way I feel good when I'm with my boys, that feel good thing. I want to feel that thing when I'm with my partner because my partner also is going to be my friend. Yeah. We are going to be friends. Yeah. And that's like the basic foundation of the relationship. We are not coming first as erotic partners first or romantic partners. No, we are friends first. Mm -hmm. I want to establish that. And so I'm grateful that my partner also understands that for herself, you know, Mm -hmm. and that we are trying to create a culture within our space within also um, the communities, uh, like our individual communities has in mind, mm-hmm. that 
we center health and well-being um, and trust and, and safety and love for one another like that, you yeah. see. So previously, that would be very difficult work. Mm-hmm. But now, because we are both at a place where, I mean, we both come from dysfunctional homes, we are like, and we're also both firstborns. We're like... <laughs> that firstborn syndrome is you know? real, hey? Right. Yeah. Like, we know what it's been like. Mm-hmm. We know. And we've always wanted something outside the the dysfunctionality that was normalized in mm-hmm. our homes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just taking it step by step, but without pressure. Um, more so centering pleasure and joy and happiness and just saying we want to have a good time. You want to have a good time. Yeah, that's you just, just want to find joy in yes. the space that you're co-creating yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and like, I also love that you mentioned your boys. I really want to go back to that because I think one of the questions I had for you was what sort of conversations do you have with your boys about sex and intimacy? Because I... I know with men and a lot of men that I've spoken to, they say that they don't have those conversations, right? They say that it's more of a play-by-play as if you are running down down what happened in the World Cup or you're (laughs) running down what happened like in the, like, you know, you're like, hey, but this goal was scored and that. So what sort of conversations do you have with your boys? I would say it's a mixture of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, first of all, I do envy how in my experience I've seen... um, women around me open up about sex to each other. Yeah, we do. Like, yeah. we, we just be out here. On steroids. Like, <laughs> man, like, I witnessed that shit and I'm just like, whoa, man, this is levels. You we know? were never ready. You know? <laughs> so, for us guys, um, we, we, especially me with my, my boys, we do talk about sex, but not as intimately as I've seen women do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think it's a space that most of us, you know, like on a personal level, I, I, in fact, in, in the whole group, I talk about sex a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like publicly and all that. Um, they, they have an appreciation of sex as, as the boys, they do have an appreciation. They do like sex. They talk about sex, but not so much individually or, or like intimately as of these are the things they're struggling with. This is how sex with somebody was like mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So it's blah. not like a blow by, like it's not like an intimate No, it, it still doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. But the space, I feel like where we are going, that space is continuing to get created. Like we are getting there bit by bit, bit by bit. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. All right. So like what do you feel like are the main barriers? Because you remember when we did that panel and we were yes. speaking and you flagged this really incredible idea where like boys aren't given that like intimacy from the jump. Mm. So it's almost like, where are you supposed to suddenly be able to open up? Yes. Like whereas girls, it's sort of like, Oh mommy, you've fallen. And even that sort of bits of intimacy, like boys aren't given, like, where do you feel the disconnect is? Because for me, I'm just like, guys, I can't just keep blaming the fellas and being like, y'all need to get your shit together. Like you need to actually find the roots. So like, do you yeah. have any ideas? Well, there are many um, disconnects. Mm-hmm. There are many. They are also multi-layered. And one of them would be that, um, you know, the most important thing is the, the, the personal relationship with a man's body, like a man's body with his, uh, a man's relationship with his own body. That's mm-hmm. where it has to start from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that uh, from from a young age, you know, uh, there was some kind of intimacy that boys were given when they were like boys, boys, like with their kids, mm-hmm. right? But then this intimacy is taken away the older they grow. Uh, because again, there's this uh, patriarchal script that they often uh, are forced to fit into mm-hmm. that uh, you are growing to be a provider, uh, the priest of the home, um, you know, you're all knowing, you're, you're, you're a leader and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Much of that forces you to abandon yourself mm-hmm. so that you perform these expectations for your society. Like the way you were saying, like, 
there's a script that you need to follow, but you are choosing to like just bring your intimate yeah, I'm, Rick's yes, self. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's that's rebellion for mm. me. Because I am not your normal, ordinary um, man as or heterosexual man as really heterosexual men as socialized. You really right? are not. Sure. I am not, mm-hmm. and and so it's problematic to so many people because it's like, how dare you get out of the bubble? Mm. Who where do you, you think you are? Yeah, where, where, are, are, you where are you going? You think you're so special? Are you lost? Exactly. <laughs> you know. So. That's the first thing, like the intimacy of the body, like you, you are taken away from yourself because there are these performative acts mm-hmm. waiting for you in your adulthood mm-hmm. that we are grooming you for, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. that force you to abandon yourself so that you can concentrate on becoming this thing mm-hmm. that we want you to become. Mm-hmm. We are not investing time, resources in helping you become self-aware so that you can even get an opportunity to be intimate with your own self. Because I'm even thinking, like, the way we think... So I'm thinking about, like, even something like masturbation, right? When I think of female masturbation, quote-unquote, yes. yes, so I'm going to put bunny ears... There's so many things, like there's charts, there's this, there's 15 types of orgasm. You're told you can do everything from riding a pillow to lighting candles to playing boys. Like there's a whole thing. And with dudes, the only thing I can think of is people making jokes about like either Kleenex or socks and just rubbing one out and that's it. Like there's no sensuality to it. There's no intimacy to it. It's just... Tugging on your dick. Yeah, we are very disconnected from our bodies. That's just it. We don't look at our bodies as um, centers of, of the erotic. Like, we don't. Because we don't even have the, the consciousness. That's so true. And I tell men, how many times do you look at your body, just looking at your body, without thinking that this is a tool for production? Mm-hmm. How do you just have a look at your body? Just talk to your body, those kind of things. Because we often live outside ourselves, again, because of these many expectations of who a man ought to be. Mm. So we get lost in the ambition and we lose the understanding Mm -hmm. of who we really are deep inside. I was holding a men's mental health workshop uh, yesterday and um, one of the, I, I gave people some group work, you know, and I told them a very simple question. Who is a man? Come up with your answers Mm -hmm. about who a man is. Mm -hmm. And you see, that question is very, very open because you're not telling somebody what to say, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came up was the fact that the definition of a man is not universal, Mm -hmm. which I loved hearing, you know, because it meant these people really talked. Because one person says this, another person says that, another person says that. Mm-hmm. And all of them feel this is the definition. This is, this is what a <laughs> this man is. This is what a I man is. I have figured it out. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so we were agreeing that there is a uniqueness to each man here on earth. Mm-hmm. But we are all forced to follow the, 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 the path of the same river. Mm. Because we've been promised this river ends at a certain ocean that is beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that day, we were saying it's okay to develop your own tributary if you want to branch off and go your own way. Mm -hmm. It will not stop you from being a man. Mm -hmm. If you do not represent yourself as traditionally masculine, if you do not present yourself as traditionally, uh, you know, a macho or provider kind of shit or whatever, Mm -hmm. it does not take away the fact that you're still a man. Mm-hmm. And that took a lot of conversation yeah. to get it home to some people. It was like, no, but guys, this is how we're men. And yeah. So there was pushback. Of course. Of course, always. Right? And we were welcoming it. And that's the other thing that I feel men are really struggling with in the world today. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, for a teachable moment to exist, you have to say the wrong thing. You do. You have to do the wrong thing for a teachable moment to exist. I remember one day, man, I was at a, 
a workshop. This was one weird workshop. So I, I was mad. It's like this was a weird ass workshop. It was weird. So I had like men 25 years to 70 years of age. Okay. In one space. That range. It was you. you it never happened to me. Mm-hmm. All right. And this one seemingly 28, 29, 30 year old dude mm-hmm. woke up and he said, because we were talking about sexual and productive health. Mm-hmm. He does not believe that one woman can be raped by one man. He did not believe that's possible, that a woman can allow one man to rape her. Okay. In his mind, it was like, they have to be many men. There is no way one man can overpower a woman as to be able to rape her. So any rape that happens has to have been... Many like yes, it had to be a group. That's and that was his truth in his mind. Like he was like, "There's nothing else." But exactly. Mm -hmm. Now you see, the only way this guy could say such a thing was because he knew he was in a safe space. Mm. All right, which is something men really lack a lot. All right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. So it's interesting in that very group. There was a, a, a practitioner in sexual and reproductive health, mm-hmm. and he taught him in that moment, like, yo, bro, we receive these cases almost every day. One man, one woman situation. Mm-hmm. Okay? There are times when it's a group of men doing this, mm-hmm. but it's actually possible mm-hmm. for one man to rape. In fact, Many times that's the case. Mm. And we could see like this man's, you, you, you can just see information flowing in his mind and yeah. he's changing. Like he's like, what? Is you that can see true? the, the you know? cognitive yes, shift. Right. And he actually told us prior to him coming to that workshop, he did know such a thing. Like it, it, it never occurred to him. At all. My assumption as Ricks, before I'm a facilitator, my assumption would be if this man speaks English, then he has some kind of intelligence to even go get on a on Google on the internet mm-hmm. and search for such information. Mm-hmm. But now, as a facilitator, I am seeing that many times we stick to the stories that we think we know, mm. the ones we've heard. We stick to the narratives we the have. The narratives, mm-hmm. and we. Our, curio- our curiosity, curiosity sort of just ends there mm-hmm. at the narrative part. Like it ends there. So my work as a facilitator is to be the interlink between knowledge and curiosity. Mm-hmm. One side is the knowledge you have, the knowledge you perceive to have, mm-hmm. and the knowledge you don't have. Mm-hmm. And I am bridging you to be curious, to interrogate these three. Mm-hmm. Interrogate the knowledge you have, the knowledge you perceive to have, and the knowledge you don't have. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. And so that was a teachable moment for the man. Yeah. So I realize we assume so much. We do. We do. Like, we walk into a space and we're like, by virtue even of being in this space, yes. we think that you come with base knowledge. Yes. But, like, actually that's something that I've also experienced in a lot of places where... I'll sit, and it's also sometimes why I'm not the best facilitator, yeah. but I'm learning, yeah. I'm growing. Yeah. But somebody will say something, and I'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. How did you eat? What? Why are you here then if you yeah. don't know this thing? Yeah. But like, yo, no, you're going to have to write that down for me, <laughs> that whole bridging thing, because yes. I'm going to have to stick that somewhere and like yeah. put it on my fridge. Yeah. But yeah, hey, <laughs> like... So I have so many questions about the work you do. Yeah. But we're going to have to wrap this up soon. Sure, sure. Like, where can people find you? Because people do need to find you. Because you need to come find this homie dancing <laughs> on the internet. Because this is a real thing. Yes. Uh, and I love dance a lot, I, by the way. <laughs> uh, when I was young, um, my dad, when I was like five, six years old, we'd bond with over music with my father. So mm-hmm. he'd like put me on our living room table and, and put some music and I'd dance for him. So that's how I learned how to love. Mm. For me, love starts with dance. <laughs> see, this, this is why you need to follow this. Tell them where they can you find know? you because this is why people need to follow so you. So you can find me on Facebook, Onyango Otieno, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Rick's Poet, that's R-I-X-P-O-E-T. And that's also my Twitter handle. Ah. Yes. 
Thank you. Yay. Also, welcome for leading a nation, hey? Yay. For being the first, you are the first man on this moon. We made it. You made it. Like, <laughs> the straight men have made it, guys, onto the podcast. It is about that time. Thank you. And also, it, it has been magical meeting you. It was Thank such you. a chance meeting with the spread and everything, Amen. but I loved it. Thank you. Ah. is a man after my own heart and like i said this first straight man on the podcast so welcome welcome and one of the things he chatted about was this need to save people so today we are going to be delving into the idea of codependency so look codependency is something even i've struggled with in my relationship and my whole big age and it took years for us to get out of it like years and there are times when people are like oh my god lawless it's so cute that we're codependent it's not it's not so we are going to spend this episode breaking down what codependency is so codependency in a relationship is when each person involved is mentally emotionally physically and or spiritually reliant on the other another way of thinking about it about this is when you are dependent on another for your sense of self-worth. It can be, it doesn't have to be just romance things. It can be romantic partners, family members, friends, shoot, even your work wife or work husband. Like, you know, it's, it ranges all sorts of relationships. As long as you are vibing, it can happen. So what causes it? Usually it's a case of having poor boundaries or even a shaky concept of self. So a codependent relationship occurs when each partner abdicates responsibility for themselves. So you know what? It doesn't only refer to all caring behavior or feelings, but only though it, it's not like everything is codependency, right? You can't just be looking at it and being like, oh my gosh, we did this together. Now we're codependent. It's only to the degree that it is excessive or unhealthy behavior, Right. The inherent issue with codependency is that the giver loses their true sense of self since they're pouring so much into the taker and the taker is just like <laughs> sapping that all up. So generally one partner is the taker while the other is the caretaker, right? Well, okay, sorry, that was wrong. So generally one partner is the taker whilst the other is the caretaker. Sorry, I did say it right. Although these roles can switch depending on the issue. E.g. one partner might be the caretaker financially and a taker emotionally or sexually. So this might feel like it works. However, things can get heavy and this can mean that shit hits the fan when either the caretaker feels angry, hurt and drained and never getting the love and approval they are seeking or the taker never feels filled up enough and seeks attention elsewhere. So like this is the thing that comes back to it being like, a pathological thing and when it becomes like a bad vibe right you know when it becomes a bad vibe so couples often become codependent because each person cannot recognize their own worth without feeling cared for or needing to be needed by another so there are many ways to recognize codependency because we can't just be like hey codependency codependency but we're not recognizing it so there are many ways to recognize it so taker symptoms include feeling heavy, heavily reliant on others to be content, feeling needy of others' attention and approval, feeling empty and unfulfilled when you don't get these things. You may feel irritated or angry often, may feel entitled to the other person's time and energy, and also comparing yourselves to others. So now caretaker symptoms include needing to be needed to feel like you matter, needing to save people, often being the one who apologizes even if you've done nothing wrong, doing anything for the other person, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable, struggling to find time for yourself, especially if your free time consistently goes to the other person, having a hard time receiving, feeling as if you've lost a sense of yourself within the relationship, feeling like a martyr, sacrificing yourself, feeling consistently and constantly anxious about meeting other people's needs. Perfectionism, yikes. I'm feeling red for filth by this list, but we'll talk about that in a minute. 
Overly busy. Wow. No, this, this, this list is just dribbling me and rarely spending time on yourself. Okay. So I'm just going to have like a little interlude and say that I suffered from so many of these things for so many years. And like right now I'm in like a whole do it, you know, do my thing, like live my life type thing. But for the longest time, and these are often like quite like trauma response things, but that's a podcast episode for another day. But we're going to segue into signs you might be in a codependent relationship. Number one, you pay more attention to your partner's feelings than your own feelings. So this one applies to the caretaker specifically, and you are tuned into your partner's feelings, but tend to ignore the feelings that you have and often don't even know how you feel. So the other one is you depend on your partner to feel okay. You may take your partner's feelings you may make your your partner responsible for your feelings that is that it in your unhappiness it's your partner's fault your happiness is tied to your partner's actions instead of taking responsibility for how you're feeling and for how you sort of like maneuver your emotions in the world this is more specific to the caretaker's experience in a codependent relationship but actually both partners can feel dependent on their partner's emotions and reactions in terms of their own self-worth and like how they should react emotionally. So then the next one is you don't feel at ease when you're together. Mm -hmm. You feel stressed around your partner and you often feel ir ir irritated. English came on a boat, irritated and frustrated with your partner. And you are more relaxed around others than your own partner. So you do anything for your partner's approval. You may often judge yourself harshly, and you may manifest, and this may manifest as you pushing yourself to look good and perform right in front of your partner in order to get the attention and approval you need. Oh, Lord. You don't feel good in your relationship is the next point. You're not feeling turned on and tuned into your partner. You're not feeling good vibes within the relationship and you don't have fun together and there isn't much affection. You see, you think you're being codependent and cute, but really you're just being stressed in the relationship because you're trying to show up and you're trying to show out and you feel lonely with your partner and you, but you also feel alone. Yo, these are like levels things and your partner doesn't have your back. This is one of the, the bits of being, recognizing you're in a codependent relationship. And the next point is there's a lot of tension in the relationship. You have frequent fights. You blame each other, believing if only the other would change, everything would be okay. But it won't. It won't. The relationship feels stagnant is the last point. You feel stagnant and stuck in your relationship and you don't know how to bring it back to life. You feel that you are settling and that perhaps you were with the wrong partner. So... You know what? I can't just leave you in the lurch and tell you, ah, you're codependent. Deal with your life. That sounds like a you problem. It's not a you problem. It's an us problem. That's why you came to basically life, is it not? So some ways to stop being in a codependent relationship. The first step is to properly acknowledge that there is a problem there, right? The next is to work to create a relationship where the, each of you are standing on your own two feet. So like a lot of it is about needing each other's approval, needing each other in order to survive, needing each other in order to do this or that. Not good vibes. One of the biggest things is you are not two halves coming together to make a whole. You are two holes coming together to make a however many. If you're two, two of you. If you're three, three of you. If you're one, one of you. Whatever it is, right? So one article says that to get over it, as the caretaker slash giver is to become the president of your own fan club. Carve out time and space for yourself intentionally. Work towards giving yourself attention and actively turning your attention inward. This is the caretaker slash giver. If you can afford a little therapy in this case, it goes a long way. And I'm saying this from experience, like our codependency, um, in my relationship was really, really helped by like going to therapy, like on my own. And also even as a couple, if you can manage it, it also helps to take small steps towards separation and finding out who you are in your own right. And again, this is both of you and not being afraid to say no, not being afraid to say no, especially as the caregiver, not being afraid to say no. 
Find your self-worth and love yourself. That is the most most powerful thing you can do. You really can't love yourself until, like, you really can't love somebody else until you love yourself, my G. Like, you need to properly love yourself, engage yourself. Then you can go out into the world, be for the streets if you want. Do what you want to do. But, like, until you love yourself, you really cannot love other people. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche that works. So now that that's all wrapped up, please go check out basically life under slash pod on Instagram. And also the Gmail is basically pod at gmail.com. I don't know what email I've been giving you people, but like it's basically pod at gmail.com. And if you're at this point in the podcast, leave us a five-star review everywhere. Share this podcast, share it with your friends, your enemies, your colleagues, that person who just walked past you in the restaurant, share it with everybody. And you know what? This is basically life. And I am your host, Tiff Mugo, telling you to calm your tits because life is never, ever that serious.